The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Arrow. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson is joining us today with Heartland Farm Partners. I tell you, we are going to get a whole new look and insight after I talk to many of our listeners. Jeff, they've said... Of course, I'm talking about the Trump tweet and how frustrated they were over the weekend. But as you and I were talking, you even enlightened me even more. And like you said, there are always two sides to every story. So as we look at what's going on with these Chinese trade talks and how it affects agriculture, you've got a very interesting perspective. Yeah, it is, you know, and, and I was as frustrated as anybody, don't get me wrong, on, on Sunday night when I saw the markets open and I saw the tweet was out and I'm going, oh, Trump, just just be quiet, please. Don't, don't tweet anymore. But as we had a chance to hear more what was going on, it's like, okay, there must be something more to this. And, and Robert Lighthizer yesterday afternoon, I first saw it in a Wall Street Journal, Journal article that came out and then Reuters picked it up and others kind of unpack the reason behind the tweet and the reason for talking about putting tariffs on and and what it seems like they've both been working china and the u.s in their negotiations been working on a document that basically lays out our differences and and the best understanding as i can see it is that there's been some items that have been agreed to by lou he he'd be the lead negotiator for china that now president c is saying well um, I, I don't think we can go that far, meaning he isn't going to make those type of concessions. Now, those could have been things that were in a process of negotiating. Um, it sounds like those could have been things that were agreed to. That's not clear. But anyway, the whole thought is China's pulling back from some going as far as what we'd like them to see, or they may have also went ahead and pulled back from some previous commitments. So Trump is saying, you know what? We need to go ahead and put something in place, hold you accountable. We talked about doing this, so we're going to talk about putting these tariffs in place. And that gives it a completely different view than just what seemed like President Trump just posturing, just trying to be difficult leading up to this next round of negotiations. Well, as you look at this next round and the weight it's had, we talked about this a little bit yesterday during the final belt. We focus so much on the effects of what it's doing to us here in the U.S., on the flip side, we look at those Chinese producers and, and consumers as well as they watch the negotiations or get little pieces of information and how it's affecting them. Oh, it is having a big impact over there, too. Now, what it seems like when what we're hearing, there's two sides to the story. Some are saying, well, the economy seems much weaker than what we're hearing and seeing through the numbers. And then there's another side out there that's saying, well, it's it's holding up maybe better than what we may have anticipated. Um according to what the tariffs have been put in place and and that seems like it's giving them china a little bit more confidence as we get towards the end to, to maybe not to agree to as much but it could just be also though susan that we're getting to some of those really difficult issues you know and those really difficult issues we we know we've talked about the technology transfer a lot but the state subsidization of their industries has been a big one you know for them to use the strength of their communist government to fuel and and give stimulus and advantage to state-operated enterprises which make up a a large share of their economic growth that's been their economic engine that'd be just like saying here in the u.s you know what you need to do away with capitalism and and i mean it'd be like no way we're not going to do that so that's really kind of what we're asking china to do is we're asking them to step away from really what's got them to this point they need to, to they need to open up. They need to adhere to what they agreed to in WTO back in 2001. And the fact that they haven't, 
agreed to that and they haven't held up to their promises is is the only reason we're even having to have these hard negotiations right now. Now, you say we're not going to see anything here probably this round. Have you heard any inklings as to we're going to see something in June, July? What is the time frame being set now? You know, that's that's really hard. And I, I think any time, and, and this is one of the things I, I don't like to see when, when both sides, and it'd be more of the U.S. and more so probably President Trump talking about, oh, we're going to accomplish this by a certain date. On trade negotiations, I, I would argue that this is some of the hardest negotiations that we've had from the trade side going all the way back in, in our history that we've had because we're trying to negotiate with a, another very strong country that really doesn't have a lot of incentive or advantage. And, and what we're looking to try to change in their eyes makes them not as competitive as they want to be. And if you think about what China has done, they've really, so to speak, this year and really, I think since President uh, Xi came in power back in 2013, it's kind of like then they're coming out. They they physically know that they're taking a stronger presence. They're they're willing to be uh, a little bit more defiant from the military side. They're wanting to flex their muscle through the talk of this uh, Belt and Road Initiative, where they're reaching out and trying to work with other countries all across Europe and many other areas over there. They're really taking a different stance than they ever have in the past. And, and it's reaching a point where some of that may be out of necessity. The necessity that it could be is the fact that they've done a lot of stimulus within the country, but they know they're getting to high enough debt levels. Now they need to try to reach outside their own walls to try to go ahead and cause additional growth to keep their country growing, to get the jobs that they need. So it's a very complex issue. Very complex. And we could talk hours and hours upon it, what it means to the ag industry. Let's talk a little bit about the role that the fund positions are playing in our grain markets right now. Yeah, and that's the other challenging part that we've got right now. The funds are still on a big short. You know, they're over 300,000 contracts short on the corn side and on the bean side. You know, they're over 150,000 contracts short. And and that's definitely coming into play. And that's, you know, it's making it hard to get any type of strong movement higher. You know, we had a nice start to the move last week, but they definitely are there to sell it. Now, I think we'll get a chance to reverse those positions. They have bought back some of their positions on the corn, not on the bean side. So I think we will get a chance to see that. It's just going to take a little bit more time here with the weather and hopefully some more positive outcomes coming at us from the Chinese trade negotiations. As we take a look and stick around, we've got more to come up. We're going to look at, no surprise, the weather and how it's affecting where we're at in the planting progress. A lot of muddy fields out there, but for some, more rain was a good blessing. Stick around. We've got more coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Jeff Peterson joins us with Heartland Farm Partners. So where are we on the planting progress? I mean, number wise, we really shouldn't be complaining. But again, that calendar is looming in the background, Jeff. You know, it really is. And as we look into the numbers that came out yesterday afternoon from uh, USDA, you know, 23 percent planted and that'd be the, you know, nationally 46 percent would be the five year average. And we were last year, we were at 36% is, is where we were at. 
Um, that's the sixth slowest start that we've got going back all the way to 1979. So it's moving along pretty slow. One of the slowest starts would have been back to 2013, and many people are thinking back to that time, and they're recalling that. Now, the big thing we want to do, though, is we want to look ahead because there's there's some issues out there. You take Illinois, for instance, they're 10% planted. They'd normally be 66%. Um, Iowa's faring a little better. They've got about the same amount we got in. Nebraska's got 35% of the crop in compared to 47% on normal. But as we were talking off air, uh, Minnesota is going slow. They normally plant pretty fast. 6% planted versus 42% would be the five-year average. But when we look ahead, we say, well, what kind of progress are we going to make? Is it going to get better? Because that's really what the market's going to be looking at. We think that maybe we'll get to 30% planted nationally, and that might be a stretch for this next week. The five-year average as we get into next week, you know, as we look at the numbers next Monday, will be all the way up to 63%. And that actually will put us in about the third slowest place going all the way back the two the two prior would have been 2013 and then you'd have to go back to 1984 but one of the ones that i think a lot of the trade is going to be looking very closely is illinois illinois is not going to have a chance to make a lot of progress there only at 10 percent planted and and by the time we go into next week what it looks like is that at that time they could if they don't make much progress that could be the select second slowest planting pace going all the way back to 79 so a few things come out of that we say well what does the moisture look like? And one of the one of the reports that we look out look at that comes along with the planting progress is just the topsoil moisture. And, and as USDA defines topsoil, that's the top six inches of soil. They give a rating every week on their Monday report, and they talk about how much is dry, and, and that's usually what we're talking about. But this time we're talking about the surplus. So we did a little research on those numbers, and currently. 47% of the topsoil in the areas that produce corn and soybeans is in a surplus state. Basically meaning, you know, it's so wet, it's it's hard to do any type of activity, planting, disking, anything like that right now. And that would be, our research numbers go back to 04. That would be the wettest it's been going back to 04. You know, we look at this next couple of weeks coming up and, and it continues to be a cooler and wet but we know eventually that sun is going to shine, things are going to dry out, and we'll be able to catch up. Yeah, we do. I think the crop will get planted. There's a window coming up in here as we get into this weekend. And then it looks like we could have about 7 to 10 days in there, which it could be a little bit less than normal precip. The only problem is going to be the temps are going to be cooler than we like. So I think we'll get a window to get this crop planted. But a few of the things that come out of that is going to naturally be you know, what's the acres going to look like and what are our yields going to look like? And those are some of the big questions that USDA is going to have to tackle down the road. We've got a big report coming up again on Friday, and that's the WASDE report. What are we going to see? Anything important that you would like us to remember? Well, there's a few things I think we've got to think about. This WASDE report in May, it's, it's an important report because it's going to be USDA's first attempt to be able to talk about the 2019 crop. And I think as we dig into that, there's going to be a few things we have to understand is that on the acre side, I think they will go ahead and use the acres that came out in the planning intentions report. Now, I don't believe that's how the acres are going to end up, but they're going to use those acres. They've done that in the past, and that's part of their methodology. I do think, however, there is a chance we could see an adjustment in yield uh, from the trend line. And as we are looking at those numbers, 
this morning. Now, one of the things that stood out to us is just with the planning pace, not only nationally, but across individual states, I, I think we could actually see them pull that yield on corn back for the 2019 crop, maybe a bushel, bushel and a half off the trend, which would be good. The only problem is I, I think what they're probably going to do is that in the end, I think they're going to end up backing demand off a little bit, too. So that's going to be a little bit unfortunate, but at least I think we're going to have a little bit less production. Now, as we walk all the way down the road to the end of the year, I think we could have less acres out there on the corn side. Unfortunately, I think that's going to mean more acres on the bean side longer term. But the thing we got to watch is that it could not quite be as bad as we think because there could be a few more acres that end up going prevent plants. So we'll have to keep a close eye on the weather going forward over the next couple of weeks. You mentioned that prevent plant and that is becoming more and more of a topic of discussion. It really is. We were at about 1.9 million acres of prevent plant last year between corn and soybeans. Our thoughts are on average it's about 4.3 million acres. The most there's ever been has been a little bit over 9 million acres going back to 2011. So I think for us to come in at 5 or 6 million acres is definitely possible. So that that's one of the, the bright spots. Uh, it's- What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.